This is the last lesson in our series called Rule Your Life. Uh, if you remember in the beginning, Patrick started and he was talking about our habits. And he gave the illustration from Daniel, how he just had this habit of praying every day. And, and if, if it's our habit, then nothing's going to get in the way of that. And then he talked about um, self-control. And all of these things fit in with the, the trellis that is the guide or structure in our spiritual life to help us stay faithful. Uh, and then Bruce talked about the words of God guiding our lives. He was talking about the Ten Commandments, but in Exodus, the word is not command, it's, it's, it's word. And then how these ten words of God help guide our lives. And then Patrick spoke about rest and how we need that. And then, um, and then last week, he talked about technology and media. This week, we're going to focus on our relationships. I'm a little loud back there. It's ringing just a little bit. But we're going to focus on our relationships and how um, fellowship is a part of our lives. And that provides the structure in, in our life with Christ, in our life with one another. Is fellowship necessary? You know, uh, I think some people have that question. I mean, it's supposed to be a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Well, yes, it is a personal relationship with Jesus, but we need a fellowship with one another to help us in that. So it's more than just a personal relationship. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Letters to a Young Pastor, writes that we are born consumers. We're taught from birth about products and how to be good consumers. He says the problem is this. The gospel is essentially relational, personal to the core. It involves relationships and responses of the heart and assent of the will, but all of that can be presented or received impersonally. So our culture has taught us to package the gospel in a way that is attractive. And sometimes when we're focused on attracting people, it becomes impersonal. It becomes more like, hey, we've got this product and we're trying to attract you as a consumer. And uh, the gospel is just much more than that. It is deeply personal, and, and it involves relationships. God gave us a structure of relationships, and it is the church. But the church in the first century was very personal, uh, a community made up of relationships that encouraged one another daily. So if you would turn to Acts 2.42, we'll have it up on the screen. Uh, this, you know, Peter's first sermon, the beginning of the church at Pentecost, and at the end of the sermon, he says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So Luke writes four things. The, the, you know, I was reading a book this week, and in the forward to the book, it says that these are the uh, spirit, four things of the spiritual hall of fame. You could think of Mount Rushmore since it's four. Now, we usually think of Mount Rushmore as people. So this, this is not the disciples on Mount Rushmore that's people, but it's four characteristics of our Christian life, of discipleship, that are necessary. Luke could have mentioned any number of them, but he only picked four. And in those four, fellowship is number two. Apostles' teaching. Fellowship. Sharing in meals like we did last week after church with the sandwiches, like we did at 10 o'clock this morning with the breakfast and prayer. Four things for our walk as disciples, fellowship being number two. 
I grew up going to church. I grew up hearing preachers talk about Greek words. And one of the Greek words that stuck in my mind from the time I was young was quanonia. Quanonia means fellowship. Where I grew up, in the churches I grew up, that was something that was very important to them. And so they talked about it over and over again, and it stuck in my head. Uh, the root word of that Greek word fellowship just means things in common. So it could be like our languages, that we have a common language, or it can mean a relationship that we have in common, a common friendship, those types of things. But there's nothing common about our relationships in church. The fellowship that we're talking about is much more extraordinary than that. There's a bond of belief and unity that it's deeper than all of our other relationships outside of our Christian brothers and sisters. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. Okay, I know, I know that's going to disappoint some of you. Uh, and yet, I cannot fellowship with all Packer fans. All right? I, there are some of them that I just can't defend. Okay? But, and then, and then so, so fellowship is much more than just one thing we have in common. Some people say, I have fellowship with these non-Christians. I would say you have friendship with those non-Christians, and that's a good thing. We all need to have friendships with non-Christians. But it's not the same thing as what we're talking about here, what Luke's talking about in Acts 2. This fellowship is much deeper than that, much more important than that. Our understanding of Jesus as Savior, that he's coming back for us, it changes us. And we can have love and grace for those completely different than us. There are those of us in this room that are completely different from one another in our likes and dislikes and the way we think and personalities and all of that and, and the way we grew up. And yet we are one body. This kind of bond made the early church the one place people could find genuine warmth, unconditional love, and acceptance. The cities in which Paul traveled to have something in common with our cities today. So people would, would uh, go to a larger city, leave their community, uh, and then it created loneliness and it created uprootedness you know, from their community. People left their families, their community, seeking wealth or happiness or simply provision. And that happens today. Our cities are growing, our rural areas are declining, and it's because people come to the cities to seek wealth or to seek job provision uh, and that kind of thing. So we have this thing in common. If community is lost, if our sense of community is lost, then something else takes its place. And none of those things are good. It can be a sense of loneliness. It can be a sense of insecurity. Crime pops up when you lose that sense of community. In many cases, sociologists will tell us that. One of the reasons we gather on Sunday is to be with each other. And yet our need for fellowship with one another is so great that the one or two hours that we're together on Sunday is not enough. We need to be able to get together other times in the week. At the beginning of his book, Our Life Together, James Thompson, Phil's dad, by the way, imagines, he, or he asks the reader to imagine an observer coming into the worship service. The observer will then uh, kind of do some research and see how much time we spend together, how well we support each other's needs. Uh, if those that sit near each other in the auditorium, how well they know each other if they're sitting together. Uh, in the book, he said that several churches agreed to be observed in this way, and the results were disturbing. James Thompson says, those who gathered for worship on Sunday 
were an anonymous group of worshipers. They were not a genuine community of believers prepared to bear the burdens of one another. Now, I believe this church uh, is different. I believe this church is more of a community. And yet, I believe we have ways to improve and, and we can grow in that. And I think in some ways, because of our culture, we lose the sense of community. And as we grow, that sense of community uh, and intimacy is harder to maintain. So we have to be mindful of that, and we have to be intentional about that. He goes on to say in this book, he said, many go to church as they would go to a movie theater. All gathered in the same room, all watching the same thing, but no interaction and no real depth of relationship and friendship. David Young wrote a book called New Day. He's a, he's a preacher in Tennessee, the Church of Christ in Murfreesboro. He talks about, he has one chapter in his book, New Day, and he talks about worship services. He's talking about fellowship. And he starts talking about worship services in this chapter on fellowship. Uh, and he says this, The Acts 2 church never had what we call a worship service. Let me say it again. That's him saying that, not me. He says, let me say it again. The term worship service is not found in the Bible, not anywhere, not in the Old Testament, and not in the New. Instead of worship services, we read that the Acts 2 church met together, broke bread together, were devoted to the fellowship, were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and were together and had all things in common. What we call worship services, they called fellowship. And what we do primarily on Sunday, they did every day. And I think we lose a sense of that in our culture, and we need to try and, and, and create that. Um, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's hard to do. And yet, I, I think if we're intentional about it, we can make improvements in that. One of my, you know, I, and I'll say, this morning at the early, at the 9 o'clock worship services, I saw people that I hadn't seen in a long time, and I was so happy about that. I think we need to be in person. So, yeah, that service is wearing masks, but that, that need to be in person is so great. I was so happy that we had a big crowd there, and I'm so happy to see you, and I've seen people here in this service that I haven't seen in a long time, too. We lose some of that, and yet we need to always be striving to maintain that. I was talking with one of my, my kids. I was having a Bible study with them. Uh, so this is a shout-out plug on Right Now Media. I was having a Bible study with them on Right Now Media, and you can do that with one another. You can give me your email. I'll send you out an invitation for Right Now Media. On the back of that wood table right there as you go out, the piece of paper has a QR code you could, sign with, you could uh, scan with your phone, and then that will take you right to it, and you can do it all yourself. Right now, media will change your life if you take advantage of that, so please do. We're having this Bible study on Right Now Media, and after the Bible study, we're talking and discussing about our lives, and my child says, you know, I, you and mom are always so involved in people's lives and things, that, and, and I just don't know if I, you know, feel that. I, I'm, I'm, he was struggling with that a little bit. Uh-oh, I'm trying to keep him anonymous. Uh, and so now you're down to two, so... Uh, but, and I said, well, number one, confession, I struggle with it too. 
I said, one of my advantages is that it's my job. So I get to do it over and over and over again. And I get to do it during the day. And I can have lunch with people like Clayton. I'll talk about it in a minute. And I can have, I can visit with people. And, and you know, so that and we do have more of a community. So we can do that together. But one of the things that I think my child was struggling with was this. When we look at Sundays as worship, then we might feel guilty about not worshiping the rest of the week. And that's not the idea of Scripture. Worship is not just on Sunday. Worship is our life. Worship is every day of the week. So I think that's part of what he was struggling with. And then, and then the other thing is, if we can take advantage during the week of spending time with brothers and sisters, it helps tremendously. We have this greater sense of community and this greater sense of worship when we are encouraging one another and taking advantage of the time that we can spend together. A worship service can be a powerful experience, and I've experienced that here many times. Either the words that Patrick is saying, the songs that are being sung, communion, prayer time, it can be a powerful experience. But our influence, our faithfulness, our love for one another is seen and grown more often in times when we can share with one another, um, when there's interaction. And let's face it, there's just not much interaction when, you know, we're up here on Sunday mornings. Look again at Acts 2.42. We're going to read a few more verses. So Acts 2.42, and then we'll skip to verse 44. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then in verse 44, starting there, he says this. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. All right, so what is this scripture telling us? I mean, when we're looking at this and we're reading about it, where did they get the power to share? Where did they get the power to sell possessions and give to one another? It says that they met each day. The time that we spent together, the time that they spent together gave them the power to give sacrificially And it influenced those around them. Because if you read the verse, it said they enjoyed the favor of all the people when they met together. So whether they were corporate worship at the temple, or whether they were meeting in their homes, or whether they were meeting privately, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And that intimacy that they had with one another, that fellowship, gave them the power to give sacrificially to those around them. Sometimes we think that social relationships are not a necessary part of Christian life. It's just our personal faith with Jesus, our personal belief. But I disagree. It's our horizontal relationships with one another that gives us what we need to continue in our vertical relationship with God and with Jesus. And another thing, if we're focused only on our personal growth and our personal spiritual growth, we lose out on 
serving one another, and that actually stunts our growth. I think many times we grow more when we're serving and when we're interacting with one another. The French language has two different words for to know. So one is savoir, and it means to know a fact. The other is cunet, and it means to know a person. There's a difference to them in knowing facts and then really knowing somebody. To know a person, you actually have to have experience with them. You actually have to spend time with them. You actually have to get to know them. And I think that's part of what, we're ta- what Acts 2 is talking about. We can't just come here and learn facts about the Bible and learn facts about each other. We spend time with one another and we get to know one another. There's a couple of things that can keep us from enjoying great fellowship with one another. Um, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, or we could stop right there, we could insert, it's no joke, we could say regarding your question about the pandemic, okay, because it applies in this way. The answer is, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Our fellowship together doesn't depend on facts, but it depends on love. Sometimes we think that we must all think the same things, think the same things in the same way. And if we don't, then maybe that shows there's a, you know, a flaw in us or a chink in our armor or we're a little bit weaker than we should be if we don't all think the same things in the same way. And I, I, it's not true. In fact, I think thinking exactly the same way about everything actually makes us weaker and not stronger. Uh, eyes don't need more eyes. Ears don't need more ears. Hands need feet more than they need other hands. I think our diversity is what strengthens us, and that was the picture of the early church. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. I hope you can picture the diversity in the early church, the vastly different, different nations, different cultures, different ideas, different communities, um, and yet they were one. They were united under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, Maybe this passage can help us picture it in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You have Paul and Barnabas after missionary journeys coming back to Jerusalem to speak to the church leaders in Jerusalem, which were James and Peter and John. And if you just look at verse 9, it says this in the NIV, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, so leaders in the church, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. So what's happening here? Paul and Barnabas have been doing ministry much differently than Peter, James, and John in Jerusalem. They're going to different communities. They're uh, reaching out to people in different ways. And they're seeing that. And thankfully, Peter, James, and John said, no, you don't have to do it exactly how we have to do it. And you don't have to go to exactly the same people that we go to. And yet we're going to extend to you this right hand of fellowship. We're going to accept you as a brother in Christ. And just keep doing what you're doing. We recognize that a different approach is needed. I wish we could understand that. (laughs) 
different approaches are needed if we can only accept the fact that we're different. The uh, one thing I find interesting is in the next verse, in verse 10, Peter, James, and John said, all right, you go ahead and go to uh, you know, the Gentiles and you go ahead and go do it the way you've been doing it. I just want to encourage you in this one thing, keep reaching out to the poor. I find that interesting that that's, that's the early church's focus. It doesn't matter whether it was in Jerusalem or in all the other cities of the world or how they were doing it or which languages or which culture. They were saying, keep reaching out to the poor. And I think as the Lord's body, we need to make sure we're doing that as well. We're not penguins. Have you heard of the penguin impulse? Um, named it after penguins. It's just this idea. It's kind of like peer pressure where we all have to look the same. We all have to act the same way, walk the same way, whatever. That's what penguins do. Uh, but we don't. We can be united under the lordship of Jesus Christ and be very different in our approaches, and those different approaches are needed. When we look at Jesus, Jesus preached about fellowship. He preached about the kingdom of God. The Hebrew word for kingdom means rule of God. So we're, we're talking about rule of life. It literally meant rule of God. And, and all that was really important about that was the hearers, when they heard this new kingdom, this rule of God, they understood one thing that it was going to be community. It wasn't going to be just this, hey, this is made up of a lot of different people who have their own individual faith. This was still going to involve community, uh, fellowship, relationships. That's what they understood. That's what they understood the new kingdom to be that Jesus talked about. It, there was not going to be any way it was going to be any different. Jesus said, love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bruce in our communion time had that. Uh, to share as well. Everything hinges on these two, Jesus said. We can't love our neighbor and not live in community. And all the one another passages in the Bible refer to the church. Jesus' favorite image for people of faith, for the church, for the kingdom, was family. Families stick together through thick and thin. We're more than teammates. We're more than co-workers. We're family. It's deeper. It's, it's stronger. Family is the type of community that Jesus calls us to, and family is the type of commitment that he calls us to in our relationship with him and in our relationship with one another. My favorite verse, um, in, in all of this, it just provides this strong framework for ruling our life. My favorite verse that I looked at this week was Romans chapter 1, verse 12. And in the New Living Translation, it says this. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I love this because it shows how important everybody is. Paul is saying this, all right? He's got great faith. Paul doesn't need anything, right? No, he needs it. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you. But you know what? I want to be encouraged by yours, too. I read something this week uh, as a newsletter that I subscribe to for church leaders, and it, it comes every week, maybe a couple times every week. And one of it says, it talks about how pastors need fellowship and small groups. And thankfully, we're, we do that. We're, we're a part of that. All, all of the ministers and staff here are in small groups um, because we recognize that. And, but it's because of this. It's not just that we have something that we want to share, but it's that we draw encouragement from you as well. So I would say this. I would love to see 
participation in our small groups, our discipleship groups. They start in two weeks. Um, I, I will, we're, we're going to let you know the times they meet, the days, times, leaders, and where they meet so that you can pick one. And I really do hope that you do. Make time for it. Sacrifice whatever you need to to spend more time with people uh, in the congregation. I would love to see 100% participation in Bible class. Patrick talked about that. It starts next week. Telling our stories. Uh, it's going to be so good. You're going to learn so much about one another. I did this at a, one of the other congregations I was at. And people that had known each other for lifetimes, they got up and shared personal things, testimonies that they never took the opportunity to share, and they learned about each other, and they were encouraged by it, and we will see how God is working in people's lives, so please think about those things. It's not, it's not that we want 100% participation in discipleship groups in Bible class to check a box or to make some legalistic, uh, hey, I went to Bible class this week too, besides what, it's not that, it is for the strengthening of the church. It benefits everyone when we're together doing that. Some examples uh, just for me uh, in my life about this. So I've been getting with Clayton uh, every week for lunch, and, and I love it because we'll, we'll pick a place. We'll get, we'll get together Friday this week, but um, usually he's there before me. I'm on time, and he's usually there before me. He's already said, and I love it because I'll come in, and we'll sit down, and you know how sometimes you, you have a conversation with people and you start talking about the weather or you start talking about uh, football or you start talking about something else. And I love it because I'll sit down and, and Clayton will be like, hey, I got to tell you about what I've been learning in my reading of the Bible this week or these classes I've been taking on scripture, you know, and he's, he's just so excited and he's, he's wanting to share and he's loving it and he's wanting to share with other people. Uh, you'll hear his testimony, his story uh, in two weeks on the 19th in Bible class. I'll let him tell the rest of it. But it is so encouraging to me when I get with him and he's sharing that. Uh, Dan Minting, you, you, some of you remember Dan. He was coming, uh, especially when his daughter Tanya was coming. But Steve and Tanya got married and, and they're in Grand Marais right now. So uh, Dan, who lives in North St. Paul, doesn't really have transportation here. But I've gone to visit him. I've called him on the phone. I've gone to visit him a few times. And he'll tell me what God is doing, and he'll tell me uh, about his, his kind of testimony, what God has done in his life, and he'll start crying, and, and I'll start crying, and, it, and it's tears of joy. It's tears of, man, look at what God has done. But I will tell you that even sharing tears of sadness still creates that kind of bond that we need from one another. Uh, Brian... Uh, on Friday mornings, we have a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. that meets at Panera in Woodbury. Matt's been leading that. Brian started coming, and one Friday, you know, just, it wasn't planned, but he shared his testimony. Maybe Matt even asked him a question, and, he, and it was so encouraging to hear how God had worked in Brian's life. Uh, and, you know, and another group of men meet on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, um, and right now they're meeting at the North Pole restaurant in Newport, because Perkins and Hastings is, is closed down and not opening up till next month. But I'm telling you, those kinds of times, sometimes 6 o'clock on Fridays is really hard. And I don't want to get up, you know, if, especially if I didn't go to bed early the night before. But I think Brian and I were even talking about one time, you, we get up, we go, and we're never disappointed 
that we did. We're always happy we did once we do it. Uh, and that's because of the joy that we can receive from one another. I mean, I'm, my wife and I will try to do this. We don't do it as often as we should, especially with our work schedules. But uh, she had a doctor's appointment Monday, and so after the doctor's appointment, instead of you know, going to work, we went to Chick-fil-A. And the timing of it, we got to Chick-fil-A about 10.40, 10.45 in the morning. We're ordering lunch, but breakfast finished at 10.30. And so you know what they did? They, each of us, they, well, and we were getting free chicken sandwiches. That's another story. Anyway, we're getting free chicken sandwiches from the app, and they're offering free chicken biscuits that are left over from breakfast to us too oh you want that so if you go to chick-fil-a at like 10 40 10 45 in the morning you may get free chicken biscuits but anyway we're having lunch together and we're sharing it gives us you know sometimes we're so busy we don't have time to even talk to our spouse we're sharing about what god is doing with her what god's doing here what god's doing with people in church or through the prayer team and it's so encouraging to be able to have that time together I mentioned that uh, some people here at church have got me playing pickleball this last year. If you don't know what that is, it's okay. I didn't either. But what it is, it's just a time of relationship. And those relationships spent with brothers and sisters in Christ are so valuable. Winding down with Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The writer of Hebrews is letting us know what's important. It's encouraging one another, motivating one another to love and good deeds, love and good works. Here it says in the New Living Translation. All of the times we meet, whether it's this worship service, whether it's Bible class, whether it's our discipleship groups, whether it's one-on-one -on -one at lunch or a phone call during the week, should be motivating and encouraging one another to continue in our faith. So small groups and discipleship groups start in two weeks. Bible class starts next week. Wednesday nights are going to start on the 15th. They're going to be a little bit different. The kids are going to have their normal Bible classes. There's not going to be a scheduled adult Bible class yet. We're going to try something different to where we have, the first night on the 15th, we'll have some pizza provided. But after that, you can bring your own meal or you can bring dessert. Or you can just sit and have coffee. We'll have coffee going. And you can sit down with one another and fellowship and share and interact more so than a class or a teaching maybe does. And so I'm hoping that although it's new, it may take a while for us to get started. Some of us, it's easier to come down and sit, you know, in Bible class and just sit there and listen. When you have to interact, I don't know. Well, I think this could be more beneficial for our faith in doing this. So that's what we're going to try on Wednesday nights. Dr. Martin Lloyd joined Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. He was born in 1899 in Wales, in Great Britain. He became a medical doctor, got a degree in London for that, and then after a couple years, he felt God was calling him to preach. He accepted that. Uh, he preached for the next 40 years before he retired, and I was reading a book that he wrote about Acts 2 and fellowship specifically, and he said that what we need to do in the church, and of course he was talking about the church in England at this, you know, when he was, you know, a few years ago, um, he said we need to get back to the pattern in the New Testament of fellowship, and I think that pattern includes this, it's it's more than just Sunday. Our culture has kind of made it a little more uh, organized 
and, and, you know, this time on Sunday mornings, and we need to get back to doing these other things during the week with one another more than just on Sundays. He, he uh, admitted, Dr. Mark, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he admitted that uh, the church in history has been weak at times, but every time God brings revival by getting people to focus on the way it was in Scripture in the beginning. And when we do that, uh, we are better off for it. God does it when we make the effort. Our busyness, as Patrick talked about last week, our material advantages. We have opportunities for travel. We have everything we need. We can, you know, one guy I think, you know, said that I, I can fix anything in my house with a phone and a checkbook, you know. And, and th th that works great for some people, but sometimes you lose you know, if you, in the olden days, you couldn't do that, so you would call a friend, and then you'd have this time of fellowship together doing that out. So there's a lot of things in our culture today that make it more difficult. Um, don't quit trying. Don't give up on this idea of community. Uh, Christianity is not a product for consumers. The gospel is deeply relational and personal. What we do on Sundays is not entertainment. If it was, we could do without it but we should not want to live apart from each other. Our relationships in the church are indispensable. Rule your life and make time for your brothers and your sisters. Um, that's what we want to do. And maybe sometimes we fall short, but other times we excel. And I just want more and more times that we excel. We're going to have to do that. The, and the church is indispensable to the world. Because without the church, a lot of the changes that we want to see take place in the world don't happen. It usually happens with people following Jesus. So uh, let's keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that in your wisdom, you um, created the church, a place for us to uh, listen to one another, share with one another, teach one another, admonish one another, a place for us to fellowship with one another, to pray together, share meals together, uh, encouraging one another in our walks with you. Help us here at Woodbury to excel in those things uh, for your glory, for your benefit, for the strengthening of your church and the spreading of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.